Thank you so much, uh, Varsan. Today's topic for Africa Now is the Burundi's uh, forgotten crisis, uh, as uh, we have titled it. Why does no one act? Uh, it's been more than two years now since uh, the outbreak of the political crisis uh, in Burundi. Um, two years since a crisis uh, sprung out of uh, differences over following the, uh, the Arusha peace accord, uh, over the continued presidency of uh, President Pierre Nkurunziza, and, uh, and following actions. Um, now, to many of us following the Norwegian uh, public debate uh, on the African continent and elsewhere, this is indeed uh, a conflict or, or a political stalemate that is not making headlines. Um, however, it is a crisis that has created more than 400,000 uh, refugees and that, according to, to current reports, uh, has caused more than 2,000 uh, causalities, several disappear uh, disappearings uh, that, are, that are linked to um, political motivations, uh, and so on. So it's very much uh, a dramatic situation, uh, as it is not although it is not making Norwegian head headlines. Um, and it, it is also causing uh, a heated debate. Some would say perhaps uh, a bit too heated a debate in, uh, in many places. So um, what we're trying to do with this event this evening is to sort of um, look at the, at the conflict, at the political crisis. Uh, at its fundamentals, but more importantly, to look at the responsibility of the international society uh, in dealing with the uh, continued, continued crisis uh, uh, in Burundi. So what responsibility lies on uh, the neighboring countries, the East African community, uh, on the African Union, on the European Union, on Norway, and uh, UN uh, offices and so on. Uh, how, what kind of responsibility lies outside of Burundi to um, provoke and, and or to um, lay the grounds for uh, the end of political political crisis uh, and a peaceful, just and democratic uh, future for uh, for the country. Joining us for the debate this evening are three very distinguished and uh, knowledgeable uh, panelists. Uh, so I think I'm, I'm just going to ask you all to, to come up to the, uh, to, the, to the panel here and uh, I'll sort of introduce you as you, as you start. Uh, okay, so. So, to my uh, immediate right, we have uh, Karim Keneza, uh, who is 
human rights uh, activist uh, and spokesperson for uh, the Burundi uh, organization or movement, the Women's and Girls Movement for Peace and Justice. Uh, currently, she's uh, based and lives in, in Washington, D.C., uh, obviously with a background from, from Burundi. We have uh, Heike uh, Eidsvold Holmos, uh, former uh, Minister of International Development uh, and the current Member of Parliament uh, for the Socialist Left um, uh, Party. And we have uh, uh, Ambassador uh, Pascal, and we agreed that I didn't have to pronounce your uh, surname. Uh, <laughs> uh, due to my shame, shameful linguistic limitations, um, uh, the Honourable uh, Ambassador Pascal from uh, from the Burundian Embassy in Oslo, you're all very welcome, and uh, we're going to give you like t ten minutes to um, to open uh, this debate each. Um, so I mean, uh, and the sort of the general question here is, like I like I said in the introduction, what is the international community's uh, responsibility towards the crisis? Uh, what should be done? Where are the solutions? So I'm gonna leave the floor first to Corinne, please. Is it okay if I sit while standing? Sorry, I tend to move around when I speak. Can you hear me? Good evening to everyone. Uh, thank you for receiving me. Um, as Johan said, I live in the US and um, it was a bit of a trip to get here. Um, I would like to take this time, a short moment, to uh, first of all thank the Norwegian Council for Africa for having this, this debate, uh, allowing this debate to take place. It's not a, um, I think Johan said that the, the, the conflict in the conflict, the crisis in Burundi is a forgotten one. Um, I'd rather say that it's, that's, that's a cri it's a crisis that has been silenced uh, and maybe not forgotten, but rather silenced. Uh, so having an opportunity to talk about it um, from different sides of the spectrum, with I'm here with the ambassadors always. Um, so it's good uh, when um, people who stand for whatever they stand have an opportunity to express their views. I would like to thank the Burundian and Norwegian community uh, because thanks to them um, and thanks for their commitment uh, for the last two years, this event took place. So thank you for uh, all of you who worked tirelessly for this to happen. Um, and lastly, I would like to, uh, we just I just happened to remember that August 30th is the, is the International Day for Abducted People. I'd like to take a minute of silence because if there's one thing that we have in Burundi today and in many other parts of the world, it's abduction. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
to talk about, let me just go straight into the, the matter. Um, before I do that, I would like to, to also state that I'm not here as Karim Kaneza, but I'm trying to, as much as I can throughout um, all the advocacy trips that I've been doing, to try to lead the voices of those who cannot speak for themselves um, to every audience I go to. So I might be the one speaking, but I will try as much as possible to relay the views of those who cannot speak today because they are fleeing, because they are dead, because they are raped, because they've been silenced. Um, in every crisis, is also, there's always an element of threat. What I'm going to try to show today is the level of threat and terror that is silencing the Burundian community. Um, talking about human rights is never, um, it's not always an easy assignment, undertaking, uh, especially on the African continent. Human rights activists are always portrayed as political opponents. I always, I always like to say that um, in a normal country, being on the other side of the political spectrum is not a bad thing. It's actually what shows that you have a vibrant democracy. Uh, having said that, when we talk about the crisis in Burundi, and I'm going to try to say that in less than 10 minutes, because I think I've eaten three, <laughs> we need to first, in order to address the crisis, in order to find a solution, in order to have, to use the tools that the the international community has been able to develop throughout its history. Uh, we need to understand the nature of every crisis we have in front of us. So what I'm going to be talking about three things. Understanding the nature of the crisis, understanding the context in which the crisis has taken place, and, and looking at the, the, the tools that we have right now that the international community, Burundians themselves, the region has in order to address those uh, those aspects of the crisis, and finally, maybe an attempt um, to look at what are the challenges for these instruments to be uh, to be uh, successfully used. The nature of the crisis has been described for many years since the the twelve year long crisis that shook my country as a political crisis with ethnic undertones. It's very important to understand that because when a crisis po is political, one has to look at it from a political spectrum and find political solutions. And that is why today we're talking about a regional peace process. It's not the first one, it's the second one. The first one occurred in, two, um, in 1996, started in 1996, ended in 2000. 2000 we had the the peace agreement being signed in 2005, it, cu it culminated into the coming into power of a political party called the CNDD-FDD, which is now the, uh, the current um, uh, regime in power. Now, when this current crisis erupted, we already had an institutional memory to base our reactions, our solutions, our reading of, this, of, the, of the problem. And it was so clear that as soon as the 2015 crisis erupted, being brought out by the decision of the, of the, of the current uh, head of the regime in Bujumbura to bid a third 
which was an uh, unconstitutional third term, the region itself, and that's very important to remember, the states, uh, the heads of the, the regional states asked and requested the legal opinion of the member states of the ESC, which is the East African community, to give their legal opinion on the constitutionality of that third term. They found it unconstitutional and against the Arusha Peace Agreement, which had been signed, and the constitution, nevertheless. Um, when you understand that the political origins of the crisis remain in the decision to remain in power at all costs, Obviously, that decision was um, the decision was obviously not respected. That is, what do we have today? The disastrous consequences of that decision is 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 uh, are well known. More than five hundred thousand refugees. We have human development and economic uh, indicators at their lowest. We have daily abductions. Uh, human rights uh, reports and um, associations who are following the, the situation very closely talk about 30 to 50 people disappearing every month. We have rape used as a, as a weapon of terror and um, oppression. Uh, we have women, um, as I think as of last week, um, 20, at least 20 bodies were found uh, from different uh, parts of the, of the country. Uh, we had not seen um, naked bodies of women. We now see some of them with their hands tied uh, in their backs. Um, but, but economic indicators do not talk about something that the UN Investigation Commission, which, was, uh, which, did, um, which carried out investigation in 2000, 2015, what they say in one of their reports. And I think when I read the report, I had uh, chills. Um, these investigators received information corroborating the existence of mass graves. And whoever has been uh, following the manifestation of mass atrocities, mass killings, acts of genocide always has to pause a little bit when you hear mass graves. Um, in some of the testimonies, members of the youth militia in Bonerakure revealed that they participated in those killings. Um, horrific forms of torture have been uncovered, such as rape, as I mentioned. Um, and but it's important to know that the UN report confirms what Burundians had been saying all this time. It's very important. Um, now, that is the, that is the, those are the facts as we see them, as we, uh, we follow them. But what is the context of that? Um, the pursuit of a third term by Mr. Nkurunziza is one of the issues that led to the crisis. But at the end of the day, it might not be the root cause. The root cause might be in the inability of the current ruling party to, re to relinquish power. And that is something that is embedded in the political culture of Burundi. 
That is what it is. Now, how do you deal with that? What are the instruments that we have? Um, and it also explains the use of intensive, primitive, and sectarian violence. When we hear hate speech, some would say, but why using hate speech when you are in power? Why, why aren't you pursuing those who are using the hate speech? But once you understand that hate, hate speech is a tool to maintain power and to exert violence, it takes a different explanation. Now, let's talk about the tools that the international community has. The first one is accountability. It's very important to talk about accountability. Why? Because Burundi has never been in a situation where it has to deal with its own. Burundi, the Burundian elites, I mean, have never been in a situation where they have to be held accountable, where they have to face what they've done. And that is an issue that the international community needs to really look at. The ICC um, has indicated that it would like to open preliminary investigations and the, uh, and the process is underway. We have an ESC regional process. We had an AU process which led in 2015 uh, to the um, to the, to the decision to send 5,000 um, uh, troops in order to protect the civilians, uh, it, it was not followed through. Now, what are, the, what are the challenges? The first one is the lack of cohesion, obviously. That's very important to understand. The second one is the narrative of the, uh, of the, of the current regime, because they're using, they're using uh, a narrative that, that sounds pretty coherent somehow. We have a popular majority, we've been elected into office. Question is, why would you have to, to, to kill your opponents? Why do you have to use violence if indeed you have this popular majority? There's a narrative that says we are sovereign. Now the responsibility to protect as a concept, we, we have to understand that that concept lies on the basis that sovereignty is at the service of its citizens and not the other way around. So that's a debate that needs to be taken place. Um, it should be recalled that in 2017, regimes which have been defying the international community, uh, whether through uh, resisting some of the decisions that the UN would take, or the AU, or the EU for instance, um, once they've tested the, the inclination of the international community to remain consistent and constant in what they do, and if, they f and if they've succeeded, will continue. So the level of threshold in terms of the, uh, of, the, of the tools that have to be used keeps rising. And finally, I think one of the biggest challenge we have is um, the lack of the ethical debate, of an ethical debate in our politics and in, in our interactions, whether as politicians or within the international community. 
Burundi is a small country, does not represent a lot of strategic interest for the international community. That, that is one, uh, one argument. The other argument is that, well, it's going to fade away. At the end of the day, it's going to fade away. As long as we push these refugees to go back, as long as we follow what the, the, the government is saying, people will get tired. Now, the danger with that is that we'll be creating a precedent. And that is why Burundians, wherever they are, are trying to really push this debate around ethics and morals. In 2017, we see a world, uh, a world that is being challenged. Our humanity is being challenged around issues of morals and, and ethics. And that's a debate we have to, t we have, to have with ourselves and with the, with, the, with the people around us. Um, and uh, lastly, I would like to just highlight one thing. Small countries might not necessarily feature extensively on in what we say or we do uh, in these international fora. But when we don't do anything, we end up being haunted. We had Rwanda, we had Bosnia, We've had Armenia, we've had other countries, other situations. Tiny countries, once they're not dealt with, create disasters which leave scars. Thank you very much, and I'll take your questions. Thank you. Um, Heike? Um, coming from a Norwegian perspective, being a, a former minister and also um, opposition <coughs> politician, I mean, obviously your your counterpart, the, I should say, the political leadership uh, of, of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs were not able to, to join us today in the, in the panel. But but uh, coming from your perspective, uh, uh, what is the responsibility of perhaps Norway specifically? but uh, in a more general sense, the, the responsibility of the, of the international uh, community. Can I start by, thank you very much for, for the invitation and thank you very much for, for your words. Um, and um, I think it's right to start up by saying, uh, stating two things. It's one, uh, I'm no Burundian expert. I'm no expert on Burundi. Uh, my, uh, my predecessor, Eric Solan, was so much more so. Uh, who was strongly engaged with the Bur uh, Burundian people and had a strong belief that the uh, current president, Nkorun Siza, uh, was bringing the country in the right direction uh, because of the way uh, things were handled after, uh, after the, the crisis for so many years and after the Russia agreement. Um, uh, and the second thing is that I, I think that uh, my engagement is more that of a concerned parliamentarian uh, on behalf of many people, uh, Burundi Norwegians, living in Norway, um, fleeing from, uh, from uh, fleeing, um, staying in Norway for many years, and, and raising the voice and trying to bring on the, uh, the uh, what do you say, the media's light, uh, because they know that the day the media turns their light off, uh, there is more so uh, a reason to be concerned about the development. And I feel that we are there now. There was a lot of debate uh, when, uh, when, uh, when the, the first the protests started, when people in the, in the, in the current uh, government, the current regime, started fleeing, uh, like people from the, uh, uh, from both from the army and also from uh, um, uh, 
protected from the army and and also people in the uh, in the ju judicial system say that we don't want to be a, uh, a part of this anymore we we fear for our security we we go somewhere else uh, i think at that time there was a debate uh, there was people bringing on uh, bringing bringing a light uh, and trying to focus on the situation saying what is right to do um i can start up by saying that um yeah, I, I can start off by saying uh, that it, I'm very glad that you are here, Mr. Ambassador, uh, and uh, I'm not so glad uh, that uh, the ministry, where, uh, where the political leadership of the ministry, were not able to be here, uh, because it's, uh, uh, I think it's, it's much easier uh, for, uh, for those who act in the international um, spheres, the international, uh, the, the different rooms that exist both in the United Nations in the uh, in the AU in the neighboring countries to be active and start saying this is what this is the kind of things that we would want to say because I've challenged the uh, uh, the uh, minister of uh, of uh, the foreign minister for uh, two or three times uh, by writing questions to him and saying uh, and asking for a more active approach because I feel that it is the only thing that is uh, right to to international law and order it's the only thing that is right to human rights and the human rights situation. It's the only thing that is right to, and I feel that we owe it to all those people who are refugees. Uh, and I expect that you will uh, uh, talk about that, uh, Mr. Ambassadors, because it's, uh, it's always the situation, if, if a country experiences that many hundred thousand people flee from the country, then seriously, uh, you have to say that, uh, you have to admit that something is seriously wrong in your country. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and thirdly, I, I, uh, as I say, I, I feel I owe it to all those people who, uh, who live in Norway that I represent in the parliament. But, uh, but to, to s uh, say a couple of things about what I feel is right and wrong, I think it's, um, I think it's, uh, it's very disturbing that we, see, uh, uh, as, uh, that we see in many of the, both the neighboring countries and but also in Burundi, that, that uh, current precedents change the rules of the constitutions uh, and say that we do no longer intend to play by the rules. We want to change the rules to keep our power. I think that's, uh, uh, that's right to uh, uh, when in the case of Burundi, that it, it was wrong uh, by the president to, to stay on for a third period and now everyone expects him to, to stay on for a fourth period and how no who knows how many periods. Then, then you can say that, uh, well, um, as a representative of, of Burundi, you could say, but well, but Burundi is not a, a special case. It is happening all over the place, uh, which is <laughs> more so a reason to be concerned about the situation, because uh, um, uh, because the the key to democracy is the peaceful. Ha it's not elections. Everyone is very good at elections. I mean, like even go if you go to North Korea, they'd be good at elections and say we had elections and we had. We had bigly numbers for uh, for uh, our leader. <laughs> we uh, we had 90 or 100 percent for our leader. It's so popular. Uh, uh, you can just oppress the uh, the opposition. You can take away the freedom of speech. You can uh, make certain that you have an unlevel playing field, and then you can say we had an election, and it shows that our president is so popular, right? There's there's no problem. But the the key in democracy is how do you handle the the minorities? How do you handle the opposition? And the second thing is peaceful handing over of power. And we, I mean, uh, we've just been, uh, we, we've just had a big discussion on Gambia and, uh, and, and see how, how that went. It uh, looked good and then it looked bad and then it ended up good. Uh, well, it was no, uh, we have several other uh, uh, countries where that's had happened. But neighboring countries, I mean, in Rwanda, constitution change, Kagongwe keep on sitting. Uh, in Kabila, the same, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, 
uh, exactly the same happening. I'm, I'm not stepping down as a president. I'm just staying all over and causing the same in, in some of the countries, but definitely leading for us as outsiders to looking into the country and saying, look, this is going in an authoritarian direction. And I think it's right to speak up about that. I think it's important that we speak up about that. I think it's important to criticize it because it's much easier to change the constitution and saying that this will be for the next term, for the next president. Now in Tanzania, they still know, they have still haven't changed the constitution, but that will be the only neighboring country where, where you're not in a situation where you've had the, the president in reality sitting for serving for a very long time. Um, so thi this, is a, this is a true concern to me uh, because I'm a big fan of democracy. Uh, because I think that the only way, the only reasonable way to be able to criticize and give a, what can you say, a final verdict of, uh, of a country's leadership is by making certain that you have a hun peaceful handing over of, of power. Um, and um, so that is, that is one thing. The second thing is that um, it's a big concern to me uh, in, in the case of Burundi uh, that uh, all the human rights reports, all the, the reports that come also from the UN, that you touched on, madam, um, stating very clearly that what the uh, what I would say the uh, the opposition and people living in in, uh, in Norway uh, have been stating, namely there are there are very clear uh, uh, signs of uh, of uh, of strong human rights abuse. I mean, serious human rights abuse, uh, and you have the refugees stating very clearly that we have a sound reason to flee. Uh, and it would, as I say, uh, which, is a, is a, which is a big problem. The second is that uh, by turning down the international community's very clear signal that we would want, like the United Nations stating very clearly that we would want to actually be in your country, to look at the situation, take a role in your country, to look at what is happening and making certain that this does not escalate. And by turning out that kind of, uh, uh, and saying that outsiders are in reality not welcome, uh, is is always something that should uh, should cause uh, uh, a grave uh, grave concern, and and I agree uh, uh, perfectly, Banner, with what you say that uh, the threshold of acting is steadily increasing, uh, which means that uh, because if you can keep on turning down uh, and saying that uh, well we have no serious intentions of going on with a dialogue, or we have no serious intentions of letting the United Nations in, then then in the end if there is no one acting, uh, well then you can expect anything to happen in the future. And then you will become more and more authoritarian as I fear, uh, and I'm not alone to fear that. Uh, and uh, and uh, you will not have the political space that after all, uh, uh, there was political space in, uh, in, uh, in Burundi to have uh, a debate up to the protesters and, and, and afterwards. So what I would want to, to challenge the, uh, the ambassador uh, to, to answer to, in all kindness, is um, if we are in, the, if you if you say we are here now, we can disagree on the past, what was wrong and what is what is right, and uh, I would expect you to say that what you, uh, I mean, like the, the, the people you represent uh, uh, did is uh, is right, uh, but uh, but nevertheless, where do we go from here? How do you see from here and five years ahead, or two years ahead, or three years ahead? What is the idea that can make refugees come home, feel safe? How can you make certain that the opportunity for positions to broadcast their, their views in the, in the media uh, is actually <coughs> present? How can you make certain that the people, uh, people can come back, uh, back home 
and they, where you have uh, a, a dialogue on how the process further on without turning into a, a one-party state. Now, that would be my challenge to you, uh, 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 Mr. Ambassador. And, uh, and as I said, I, I, think it's, I think it's great that this debate is being, uh, uh, being held. Uh, I hope that the uh, foreign ministry, next time you hold a debate, will be able to be. And even though I understand that representatives from a ministry is here, but it's difficult for the ministry, uh, for civil servants in the ministry, to debate with the opposition. Uh, so it's uh, it's uh, that's why I mean, like the politicians should be here to debate this in uh, instead. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now it seems I've received the position as the moderator to, to Heike posing questions to, uh, to, ambassador, to ambassador. Please, please uh, uh, your opening statement and uh, would love you to, to also uh, touch on the challenges that you've received, uh, Mr. Ambassador, please. Uh, okay, thank you. Uh, thank you, first of all, for the interest you have in Burundi. For organizing this uh, event, the description I heard here does not represent the reality in Burundi. In Burundi, there is peace. You can go everywhere you want. Schools, hospitals. Health centers, churches, they are open and operate normally. Uh, the embassy has registered many persons from Scandinavia, from Norway, from Denmark, who applied for visa. Sweden, and I would like to invite you to come into Burundi to see with your eyes. Uh, there are many opponents in Burundi, many leaders of political parties, former ruling party for the WU, the radical opposition wing party, wing of uh, Ikona, their leaders are in Burundi, their opponents like former uh, president of the republic, they are in Burundi. And last year in December, some opponents who were in Belgium went back to Burundi, they are there. spoke uh, about the third term of the president Nurunziza. 
This is, it was a constitutional issue. The provision in the constitution lead to many interpretations. And these interpretations divided the opinion into two groups. In this case, how Norwegian, how Norway can deal with a constitutional issue. It cannot, authorities cannot follow one group and ignore another. The Constitutional Court in Burundi is the only organ which can receive such matters and take decision. This, is, uh, this court have been seized by the Senate and it ruled that the <coughs> new term of the president was constitutional. Suppose, huh, as you are saying, suppose the person, the group of persons who were against the candidacy of the president were in the proof. And that, as you say, the, court, the constitutional court decided that the candidacy was constitutional. When this organ decide you have to wait as politicians, you have to wait and you have to wait and um, uh, not stand against the constitution because this constitutional court is recognized by the constitution. Uh, Madame Karine said that, <coughs> if I understood well, that East African community didn't validate the third term of the president. Bon, okay. This issue have been brought in the East African community and the court of justice in this East African community validated the new term of the president. So when you say that uh, this candidacy was unconstitutional, I don't know when, uh, which, uh, on which basis you say that 
Burundi, the politics, the Burundian politics, when uh, you, you follow it, you have to, be, to, ha to pay attention. This uh, crisis, this uh, uprising, started in 2015, it was uh, not, it didn't come huh? suddenly, it was prepared a long time in advance. Since 2013, some politicians, former, pre former uh, speaker of National Assembly, former president of uh, an important party, political party, sent letters to the UN Secretary General to call for international community to intervene militarily in Burundi. These letters were explaining that there is genocide in Burundi. The government were preparing genocide, were distributing weapons among populations. This brought uh, United Nations European uh, Europe, European African Union, USA, Belgium, France, to send messengers in Burundi to check. Is it there is a genocide, a genocide going on in Burundi? All these envoys did not found nothing that could attest the preparation of genocide, the perpetration of genocide in Burundi. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Ambassador, but uh, your time is actually a bit uh, up, but uh, I wanted just to sort of, because uh, we have spent a bit of time now sort of um, in presenting alternative narratives here and, and obviously differing, differing mm -hmm. uh, opinions over the validity of the third ter term of, of Ngrizisa mm -hmm. uh, and also, of course, uh, the, the, uh, the Constitutional Court, whether or not to respect uh, uh, the, the decision of the Constitutional Court. I mean, but these are also... Uh, Can you with, allow with, me? With, with, with respect, I mean, this is uh, also what... Um, not the main topic here, okay, like like uh, like um, uh, Thomas was also saying. Uh, uh, where do you go from here? Could you just sort of skip to 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 the role of the international uh, society and uh, what is their role? Where do we go now to create uh, uh, peace? If international community want to deal with the Burundian crisis it must understand the ins and out 
of the kaijus. If you jump hmm, some problems, if you don't address correctly all problems, will not find solution. It is so, I have to, to tell you huh? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Huh? some important mm -hmm. huh? things, allegations, false allegations huh? that are at the basis of this current situation. And I'd like to ask me, to ask you to allow the same hmm, minutes you allowed to the other panelists. <coughs> okay. Um, I was talking about genocide. Allegations were false. The envoys didn't find nothing. Uh, there was a huge uh, demonizing campaign, huh? campaign of demonization of the institutions. I can give you some examples. In Karusi, now it is a province in the countryside. One member, a member of the party MCD, uh, it is um, Movement for Solidarity <coughs> and Development. In Karusi, he was distributing tracts hmm, to call Hutus to kill Tutsi. And this guy was Tutsi calling Hutu to kill Tutsi. And you can understand that there are many lies in this uh, matter. In Karusi, a second experience, France, the television, France 3, brought, had broadcast a video telling that in Karusi there is evidence of uh, atrocities. Huh? They found that this video was not taken in Burundi and the language used in this video is, was not Kirundi, it was not in the uh, uh, language of the, the region, it was the Hausa in West Africa. You see, there is this genocide, huh? you have heard, it is a big lie. You have to check out and uh, to understand why there is this business of genocide. Um, this lies pushed the, EU, uh, the African Union to take a decision to send hmm, 500, 
5,000 soldiers. After this decision, uh, the 15 ambassadors of uh, the uh, Security, Security Council, Council of huh? the AU yeah. went in Burundi mm. to check. The Secretary General of United uh, uh, UN went went in Burundi. Uh, a high commission, a, a high level mission from U uh, African Union went in Burundi to check. They didn't found nothing, and they found that. The decision to send this troop in Burundi was taken on false allegations. He saw the, the, the these troops didn't go in Burundi. So when you uh, international community now it is two years since. May 2015. In the whole, in the whole of African Union in Addis Ababa, in the whole of European Union in Brussels, in the whole of uh, United States, no, of uh, UN, s many ambassadors many personalities now they discover they are discovering that there are something wrong in the narrative of the Burundi crisis and this the number of these ambassador these politicians is growing and don't think that this understanding eh, of the solution of the, the crisis will bring a solution in Burundi that maybe some persons do not expect. They want to overthrow the government. They want to enter in a transitional government, now Burundi is preparing from for 2020 election. And many uh, organizations, East African community, uh, African Union, they want to see good election in 2020 happen in good condition. Excuse me, Ambassador. It is approaching 20 minutes since you got, okay. the, got the word. Um, so if you will allow me mm -hmm. to, to just uh, sort of, if I understand your position correctly, it is that, that uh, the allegations that are made in the international community are, are basically false uh, and uh, Sort of as as they are reflected in in, in several uh, fora, such as, for instance, the the, the UN Human Rights uh, Council decision uh, adopted of uh, 
this uh, this summer, for instance, is that correct? And uh, so what you're basically asking for is sort of non uh, non intervention or 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 for for uh, as you say for Burundi to prepare for uh, normal elections uh, in in the cycle and uh, in 2020. Is that is that more or less correct mm -hmm. uh, of an interpretation of uh, of your country's position? Uh, I'm going to have to ask you to be a bit brief. Yes. Yeah. The main thing is you have s uh, said the accountability. We have many actors in Burundi. We have media, uh, organization, uh, civil society organization. There are more than 6,000 civil society organizations. They are working. They are m political parties. Every actor have to be accountable, and not to report to Western. To be accountable before the Burundi, before the Burundian population. What happened in the USA with Barack Obama? Barack Obama is a black. Has been president of the, 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 the USA because he respects the, 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 the Americans. He is accountable to Americans. It is so he became president. Now, our Burundian politicians, they have to be accountable and uh, to renew with the population, to renew the confidence with the population. It is the only way they can pretend to elected positions. So they have to be accountable. They have to organize <coughs> with the government with uh, the, the, the meetings uh, to prepare to be. Yeah. Mm. I see. Okay, I, under, I, under, I understand your, uh, your point. Okay, uh, I'm uh, going to allow uh, you going to, to respond to uh, to the ambassador. And I'm sorry, but but uh, obviously this this uh, opening statement is taking a bit longer longer than uh, than our frame, which means that we have a, quite a short time frame for questions, but we'll allow a, sh a short, uh, a brief exchange of views here at the panel first, and then we will open for questions okay. again, so that's all right. Um, please, Corinne. I'm going to try to be very bit brief. Um, uh, I think, Mr. Ambassador, you've just checked all my boxes in your answer. Um, usually, it's uh, the, the denial of the... Uh, my comment is that the denial of of what's happening, which is um, which is a constant so far. Um, when we talk about accountability, the accountability I was uh, I was referring to, Mr. Ambassador, uh, it's uh, the criminal one um, in terms of justice and not administration. Um, so that is the second thing. The third thing is. Uh, I don't know where to start. <laughs> Allow me. 
I, I really don't know where to start because unless the facts, unless we're living in a dream and we're going to wake up tomorrow and find, wow, 500,000 people have gone back home. They just, they actually never left. Um, unless we're going to realize that the SADC region, the South African Development Community, who recently um, actually said, well, we can't really allow you to be part of our economic community because you do have a serious problem and until you, res you resolve that, you don't have a seat at our table. Maybe that's, I don't know, a conspiracy theory. Um, I'm sorry, Mr. Ambassador, I have to be a little bit sarcastic because as I said in many other fora, um, sometimes you wonder um, what kind of uh, what kind of world we live in. And I just have to remind myself between 2017 and 2017, sometimes I, I don't recognize my country or my country's leaders. And I feel pity sometimes um, because I think the other panelists mentioned something about the consistency throughout uh, these different countries. And sometimes you, you wonder, am I from North Korea without knowing it? I think the only thing that is left is for, is for, uh, for all of you who represent the, the government to go around with videos showing people marching on, uh, on some music and, and, and uh, singing Kumbaya. What I would like to say two things. One, I just, ca I just came from the region and I met three women out of the out of a population that constitute of refugees that constitutes more than fifty percent, those three women were raped by Imbonerakure. I did not have to take them to hospital and witness their private parts being rebuilt and reconstituted, Mr. Ambassador. I wonder if you were to look at them, what you would say. I wonder if the word peace can be mentioned when you know, Mr. Ambassador, that in 2015, December 2015, hundreds of your own young brothers and sisters were killed by a state-sponsored group. But again, it's an issue of ethics and morals and where we stand as human beings. And, and to what extent do we respect our marching orders and walk around and speak what we think is right and wrong? It's a crisis of ethics, as I said. Second and last thing I want to say is I didn't hear any recommendations in terms of, there's an ESC negotiation process. You're talking about elections. But there's a report from the facilitator that states how, frustrat how, how frustrated he is and, and, and calling on the international community and the region. We know there have been talks about talks, private meetings between gov the government and the, the political position. But yet we're talking about the elections. What about those different steps that constitute the regional framework and the national framework for, as you said, rebuilding trust. 
because your opposition, radical or not radical, those who, those who did this, or they actually, you do have a say, significant section of your opposition outside of the country, and the region is aware of it. That's why presidents, like President Magufuli, and others are actually meeting your president. So, so those are things in terms of honesty and truth-telling which are important. Thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to them, back to the ambassador uh, in, a, in just a moment. Peter, uh, uh, can we respond to, to, to the, the question of sort of where is the, uh, what about the, the regional discussions that are taking place, which are shared by the former Tanzanian uh, uh, president uh, Nkapa, uh, which you did not uh, address uh, earlier. But first I'm going to ask you, Karin, uh, uh, what do you think? So, I mean, what do you think should be the outcome of these regional, uh, these regional discussions and, and of, of these talks? Uh, in a very brief manner. <laughs> I mean, what, what, are you, what would you sort of call for as, as, a, as a solution here? Uh, yeah. A sustainable one, not a cosmetic um, solution, for sure. I think any peace negotiation should be looking at a couple of things. The first one, as I mentioned, is accountability at its core. Um, to avoid to repeat the, the, the mistakes of the past. The second thing is to rebuild the security uh, apparatus in the country. We have militias inside Burundi. We have people who, train, who are trained at night. My hometown, every night, people come from work, they go in hiding. That's the truth. It's not for nothing that on the, uh, in the roadmap in the roadmap presented by the facilitator of the current <coughs> negotiation process, namely uh, former President Kappa, um, the security aspect is very, is very, very uh, clear and constitutes a clear concern for the region. So security is number one. First is the accountability mechanisms in terms of transitional justice and strengthening the institutions of justice because we have now institutions that are the, at the service of the current uh, head of state and head of the political party, because that's the other thing, uh, party state, that's, that, that's a problem. And then lastly, obviously, like in any, any process, you have to look at the issue of uh, economic uh, uh, rehabilitation. It's not even in terms of uh, helping the country move forward, it's to rehabilitate the entire economy uh, situation. So those are those are main. I can elaborate more. But okay, uh, please, Mr. Ambassador. So, so the way forward now, there are uh, regional discussions going on, and uh, uh, what would you like to see come out of those, very sort of specifically, of the talk uh, talks in the EAC? Um, I would like to to start by the the these women, no? these women has been raped. Every, uh, when citizens, no, 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 the, the, pro the, the problem is every, every time something wrong is done, it is the fault of Imbonerakure. 
or the minister. This is false. Because in, in Burundi, any group can be made of saints and another group of sinners. No, you can found in Frodebu, hmm? sinners, you can found in Sien the day of the day, sinners, you can found, and when I do mistakes, when I do wrong, when I kill someone, I have to respond on my name, not on the name of uh, a group. This is the first clarification. The second on the dialogue, the dialogue is going on. They have, there are two uh, kinds of dialogue. It is divided. It, there is internal dynamic and external dynamic. The external dynamic is led by uh, Yoweri Museveni and the facilitator Mkapa. What is the problem of the external dynamic? We have two resolutions, 2248 at 2014. To see them on the table of dialogue. And the government still now he said no. According to to these resolutions. Um, so that is who will participate in the negotiations. But what would what would you like to, to see come out as as an outcome? I'm sorry, we're we're short on time. Ah, there, there are in Burundi we want every person who are abroad to come back. The refugees and the, 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 the government, our president, is calling every day to come back. Um, this dialogue hmm, can facilitate, can take decision to facilitate the return of refugees. There is, we have uh, economic problems. Huh? It is together Burundians who have to find solution. There is political problems like <coughs> the election I was talking. We have uh, to, to, to to prepare hmm, together these elections. It is uh, among others this 
uh, these things I want to see with the dialogue. Mm. Thank you. Uh, Heike. Just a couple of brief comments. I, I think it's uh, the reason why I, I, I challenge you, Mr. Ambassador, to say something about the future uh, is because uh, I know that in a situation like this, and also that's been the dialogue on as the dynamics of a debate, uh, mm -hmm. a typical debate in a situation where there is a disagreement, is that uh, you look at the past and you say we have different views on the past and you don't come any further. Which is why, uh, uh, which is why I stated what I thought of the past, uh, um, but also. I think the most important uh, issue is uh, how do we go forward in the future? But of course, we have to, uh, you have to, uh, what you say, have uh, some sort of <coughs> common view on how the situation is. Mm -hmm. And that is obviously a challenge. Mm -hmm. I mean, like seriously, that's obviously a challenge. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, the uh, I think that, uh, I thank you, uh, say very much thank you for the invitation to come to Bujumbura and, and, and to, uh, to Burundi. But uh, I think I too <coughs> would first like to go to see the, vis uh, to, to see the refugees. Mm -hmm. Because I, uh, if you if you look, <laughs> the, the reason is very simple, and that is uh, if there are a lot of people who um, who uh, who have fled, mm -hmm. that means leaving uh, your maybe your uh, your belongings behind, mm -hmm. not all of it, but maybe some of it, mm -hmm. some of your your uh, cattle, some of your uh, well leaving opportunities for income behind, maybe leaving loved ones behind to take care of what you have at home. Uh, then, uh, which is the case in very many of the situations where you have a refugee situation, uh, uh, then uh, I think the right thing is to ask people, wh what do you fear? Mm. What needs to be in place for you to go back home? Mm. Um, and uh, if you look at how many refugees we're talking about, we're talking about taking away all of the Austro population fleeing over uh, the border. And I can say it's very nice in Sweden on that side, but uh, uh, I don't think it's Even, in hmm? Even in Rinkeby? Even in Rinkeby? Even in Rinkeby. I've been to Rinkeby. <laughs> It's nice and drinkable, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, but the uh, but, but my point is is still clear. It's a lot of people, mm. uh, and I would like you to uh, uh, to address that because I felt that you addressed too little uh, mm. the issue of the refugees. Mm. What what do you think is the reason why they fled? Mm. What do you think is what is needed to come back uh, or or to to change in Burundi for the refugees come back, mm. and the acceptance? I mean, like. I think it's I, I think it's very difficult if we don't have a common ground on on stating that looking at some of the international rights advocation groups, international federation for human rights, but also the UN reports, uh, stating very clearly that there has been serious violations of human rights against those people who have fled, mm -hmm. rapes, uh, as as, as we've spoken about, uh, uh, and being placed allegations very clearly put on uh, on uh, on groups with links to to government. Now. What kind of common ground do you see that there can be on stating this is what we accept uh, to be a problem? Mm -hmm. And how do you see the path ahead? Because uh, I've been advocating that uh, we should look into uh, using different kind of economic sanctions like uh, you can do by saying that uh, Burundi should not participate and get paid for participating in other endocrinal groups. But we know that the situation is that when, when the European Union or countries in the European Union uh, even it hurts the people and uh, it hurts the government by by uh, having uh, having uh, holding back uh, development aid and Burundi being all the way down at the bottom of the human development index. We know that China comes in and says, and we know that China's don't uh, they're not a very democratic country um, and uh, and uh, building up and filling up the space uh, mm -hmm. that others are leaving behind, and mm -hmm. that again 
leads us back at the situation where that if there is a lot of talk mm-hmm. and there is no progress and you slide into a territorial situation, there is really not very much pressure to put things back. And that's why I'm saying, inviting you mm-hmm. to say, talk about the refugees. Why are they there? What needs to be in place for them to, put, uh, to, to come back home? Uh, I'm going to allow the ambassador to respond to that. But before that, I'm just going to pose a s- short question to, to you, Heike, and then I'm going to allow a couple of questions within our very limited time frame. Um, so the, uh, obviously, there's a, there's a ca- campaign, electoral campaign going on right now. Uh, what and as you were saying, you've challenged you've challenged uh, the Minister for, for Foreign Affairs uh, on sort of taking a more active stance towards Burundi. Uh, what? How do you sort of? Uh, uh, s- what kind of difference would we sort of ex- should we expect with a, with a different uh, uh, government in office in Norway? Can I be careful about trying to turn this into a, a debate about Norwegian election? I'm just saying because uh, I don't think that is right to, to, uh, to neither the Burundians living in Norway or, or otherwise. I'm just saying that I've brought the questions ahead. Now, the, the minister has stated that uh, he is following the international community and, and standing behind the, the roadmap, so the UN and the, uh, the, uh, and the AU. Uh, I've asked more actively on should you really, shouldn't we, should we try to get our EU friends with on, on being uh, even more active when it comes to holding back money uh, uh, to, to Burundi. But I think, it's, uh, uh, I think it's right to say that uh, uh, with, with, after all, us being a small nation uh, and not having, uh, after all, I mean, like we have the Burundi embassy in, in, in Oslo, but we don't have a presence that gives us a very high leverage towards uh, Burundi and being in, in a dialogue. It's really by working together on the international level that we have a, an opportunity. And that's why I think it's right of me to, to say that, uh, to, give the, uh, to give the floor to, um, uh, to the ambassador and, and saying, we, 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 are uh, we will continue to ask the questions. Uh, Related. Um, the first thing is the gentleman. You talked about uh, doing a difference between dif- to, dif- to differentiate between uh, in Bonera Cure and uh, criminals. That's not my job. What I do, I'm an advocate. So what I do is to add my little voice to find out and to advocate for a return to peace. Uh, I'm obviously very aware that we do have criminals, uh, even if it's to find something to eat, <coughs> because obviously the country is very, people are very poor right now. Um, but what I, the other thing I wanted to, uh, what you said, the, the Norwegian model, it's a very good one. I think Norwe- Norway has a lot to offer, starting with its stance against apartheid. Uh, in times where the rhetoric was pretty sim- similar to what Burundi is saying right now. Um, so that is, even in terms of ethics and, and, and morals, there's a lot to learn from them and, the lon- and a lot to learn from, for instance, the fact that they, they teach human rights um, principles from, uh, I believe, elementary, uh, the elementary level if what I was told was true, I'm not sure. Kinder, even better. Uh, and I think there's a, there's a lot to learn in terms of the education system. Uh, going back to what the lady said, I think I said in terms of the nature of the crisis, I mentioned very clearly that the decision to go for a, a, a third term is what led to the crisis, but it's not the root cause. I said it very clearly. The root, clo- the root cause 
again, I'm going to repeat this, is the inability of the Burundian political elite, and I can add since independence, to clarify that, to actually relinquish power. We have a political culture <coughs> of killing our leadership, and but also to manipulate, to manipulate our people in order to remain in power. And we have to be honest, whether we are Hutus or Tutsis or Ganwas or Twas, to look at ourselves and say that. You said you would like me to come to Burundi. The last time I was in Burundi was in 2014. I've worked in Burundi, I've worked in five African countries, and all the those countries went through very massive human rights abuses. And let me tell you, my sister, the issues are the same. The frustration is the same, the suffering is the same. So let's not stand here and say, because Nandaya was killed and Habjarimana and Hajamira, somehow there's something wrong today. Today is 2017. Today when people flee, there, these are not Tutsis fleeing. In Tanzania, they have a majority of Hutus. That's the truth. So when something is wrong in Burundi, it is not of ethnic nature. It is highly political, and one has to look at it and say there's a problem with our political elite. And today the political elite is the CNDD FTD. But we have to be right about it and clear. That's all I had to say. <coughs> I think that was uh, pretty well spoken. Uh, and uh, I think that the only thing that I would like to add on is that I'll stay around here so that those who oh. raise their hands and uh, didn't have the opportunity to talk and come over to me afterwards. I'll also say that one of the things uh, that we've learned uh, from our work in, uh, in, uh, in peace building and trying to negotiate is that the date you start by saying that those people we don't want to talk to, <coughs> that's the day you start ended negotiations. So the way that uh, if, if, the, if, the, if you, the view of Burundi is that we've got those people and those people and those people and we don't want to talk to them. Well, we talk to Taliban. We talked to Hamas and wanted Hamas to be part of peace negotiations. We even accepted the, uh, uh, said yes to the, uh, the joint government, even though no of the other countries in, uh, in Europe and the US did, because we feel that uh, the, uh, the voice of the people should be heard, even when the voice of the people say something that we don't want to hear, uh, that we don't want them to, to say. So by starting up by saying uh, that, they, I think that's, uh, that's, the closest, that's the easiest way to a dead end. So you have to start by saying that we talk to all the people who are interested in talking. And that is, uh, that, is uh, that is, I think, is, uh, is the way ahead. Thank you. Yes. Okay. I told that there have been, th there must be conditions for, uh, for dialogue. In 1993, the Iprona party, the nomenclature of Iprona party, and the high command of uh, the army made of Tutsi, mm? they overthrew the new elected institutions. They killed the president. They made a chaos in which they went to negotiate in Tanzania in a high position, in comfortable position. And now, 20 years after uh, they, they, they negotiated in Tanzania, 
they conclude the Arusha Agreement for Peace and Reconciliation. In after 22 years, you want to repeat the same scenario in, uh, we had in 1993. Huh? The persons killed the president, ministers, uh, MPs, and they went to negotiate. You want Burundi, Burundi repeat every, every day huh? the, 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 the same experience. We have to put an end to this bad experience. It is not to, 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 to not to, 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 to refuse negotiation with uh, opponent, but it is a bad experience we want not to repeat. <coughs> it is the explanation of this. About the refugees, Burundi, the government, and me also, I am a I am human being. Huh? I have been refugee. I'm not pleased to see Burundians outside huh, the country in bad condition. But the question, you have to know why this person freed the country. The organizer of the organizers of the 2015 insurrection, they know why. They organized insurrection they killed people, he he can, she cannot recognize this. They killed the people, they burned uh, cars, buses, they barricaded roads to prevent people to, 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 to attend their activities. And the organizer of this, uh, this uprising, they have been judged. They are in, they have to be brought before the justice. Some of them are outside in Belgium, in Rwanda. Madame has uh, had a question huh, to know why. Huh? Why some president have been killed? And the, the question was, is by chance that the, the, the five persons were Bantu? The question is now, why the organizers of insurrections, the person, the, 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 the journalist, huh? who are fighting ag against the, the, the institution, go to fight in Kigali. It is a place in Kigali. If there is, under the table, this ethnic dimension, is it a place in Kigali to fight journalists, to fight, uh, to tell Buru, Burun, uh, President Nkurunziza that there is no freedom of of peace. No, there is another explanation. It is in Kigali 
where uh, opponent then can say Nkurunziza uh, he cannot he, he cannot run for another term no there is you, you can understand hmm? you can understand I, I'd like to take time to, to thank all the panelists uh, for taking part in this uh, in this exchange. Uh, I uh, recognize that there are a lot of people here who would like to, to pose questions. I'm very sorry that we didn't have time to, to, to pose those in, plen in, in this plenary session, but I invite you all to, uh, to um, stick around to, uh, to, to have conversations afterwards. Uh, I, uh, uh, I'm sorry, sir. I'm very sorry. But uh, uh, I would like to thank uh, once again the panelists for coming. I want to th thank everyone uh, here to, uh, for coming. And uh, uh, I do believe that this conversation is not at all over, both in this, uh, in this room and in the months to come. Uh, welcome back to Next Africa Nord uh, on the last Wednesday uh, of the next month.